says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me to preview and, and I guess review uh, the weekend that is and was uh, is my good mate, 60s. Uh, big fella, as we record, the Jersey Flake have already played, but we've still got that big public holiday doubleheader to cover. Yeah, we certainly have. We've got the Monday matches. Last night, the Eels were in action against the Bulldogs at Belmore in the Jersey Flag. So we'll commence our podcast with, as you said, that little bit of a review before we hit the previews. But of course, as always, a big shout out to our sponsors, Big Swing Golf at North Mead and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norell and Parramatta, without whom, as you know, we just wouldn't be able to do what we do on the Cumberland Throw. So thank you to both of our partners there. Yes, sir. All right, let's get right into the, uh, I suppose, the review portion of this podcast. Unfortunately, the Jersey Flag Sixties are doing it tough right now. A lot of bodies and a lot of big players unavailable. Bulldogs, who they were taking on this week and one of the better teams in the competition, entered the round in fourth, finished in second after defeating the Eels 22-6, to which gives you an idea of um, how they're travelling. For the Eels, Larry Moanga Tutia scoring the late try in the 66th minute with uh, Arpa Tweedle converting. And aside from that, yeah, the Dogs put on four tries, three conversions. Uh, good day for the goal kicker, Jonathan Sewer. And yeah, not not much doing here for Parramatta, mate. We weren't out there to see it. We are busy on the day, obviously. Uh, but for the Eels, just got to, you know, they've got to push for that breakthrough win and, uh, you know, just get back to that winning feeling and, and building from there. Absolutely. And it's always going to be that uh, adjustment when you've got so many players out with injury. We've got Ethan Sanders, who had transitioned from the SG ball team into being the starting half in the jersey flag, but he's been out for a period of time with a broken hand. He's probably still a couple of weeks away from that, uh, from his, his returning from that. Um, the replacement, uh, well, interchange dummy half, Matt Arthur, he's suspended for a couple of weeks. So uh, we we have him missing in action there. Um, and, of course, we haven't been able to see Blaze Talangi in action due to an injury, and he's uh, he's probably a month or so away from making his return to the field. So, yeah, as you said, tough tough night. But, it you know, that sort of scoreline against a, a team that was uh, sitting, well, now currently sitting in second place on the ladder, um, for uh, you know uh, the number of players that are being introduced from the SG ball team, I, I still think it's and 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 playing out of position. We should we should add as well uh, a few players. So um, yeah, still not too bad. And uh, looking forward to hopefully catching their next match live as well. So um, mate, uh, I, I guess now we move into the uh, previews. For the yes, weekend. indeed. Uh, the King's birthday, one day public holiday. Quinton Gufferson being very magnanimous with our, our time and uh, looking after us as always. Thank you, Guffer. Uh, but yes, with obviously uh, the change in the monarchy over in England, it's now the King's birthday. 
And it brings us to the New South Wales Cup, where it's going to be a tough one, 60s, because the Eels enter this round in eighth. They're taking on the first place team in the Canterbury Bulldogs. These two teams have already met back in round seven. Canterbury brushed us off 28 to 6. Eels also coming off a little bit of a, a probably, you'd argue, a poor uh, poor patch of form off they dropped the game against the Newcastle Knights, who came running last in the competition. But prior to that, they took on the team that was, at the time, running first in the North City Burs, uh, Burs, Bears. I mean, uh, they, they brushed them off like Burs, I suppose, but uh, the, the Bears and ambushed them. So I don't know what to expect from the Parramatta Eels in this game, mate. Uh, but if we look at the actual lineups here, uh, it's not great reading for the Parramaterials. At fullback, it's Zach Sini. You've got Hayes Dunster back to help the back line. Jiro Isaac Lumi Lumi, Chris Tupo. Uh, Dejan Arce is currently named at 5'8". If we're not expecting him to stay there, Jordan Rankin at halfback. You've got the young kid, Jonte Jr. Beffen Mesa, who was making a real fist of it in the New South Wales Cup. He's starting at one of the bookend positions alongside Kai Rodwell. Many Luca dummy half. You've got Jack Murchie, Dan Keir, and Luca Murdy rounding out the back row. On the interchange, it's Nico Apelu, Tony Matteoli, Tavita Taumapenu, and Jock Brazel, who was a withdrawal from that Jersey Flake game. So his resources are completely dedicated to the New South Wales Cup this week. Um, but yeah, they're taking on a dogs team that, like I said, really easily accounted for us last time. Blake Wilson was on the wing in that game and went for over 200 metres in a couple of tries. He's at fullback this week. Uh, Braden Burns. There's a new player they got up from Queensland, Ethan Quay Ward, Darrell Skelton. Uh, the halves are a bit weaker this time, though, uh, because obviously young Carlisle Wapu is playing uh, in the halves in first grade. And also, uh, they've got uh, Rajab, who was the other half in that game. He's on the interchange for first grade. So they've weakened their spine. Uh, but Ryan Sutton, Kyle Flanagan, Sam Hughes, Jackson Topanay, uh, Fata Manu Brown. It's a pretty good team, 60s. Yeah, it is. And as you said, we just don't know what to expect from Parramatta's New South Wales Cup team. The The form has been wildly fluctuating. Mm-hmm. Not not fluctuating a little bit, wildly fluctuating. The, it's a proper sign curve, isn't it? Like the oscillations are going to the highest highs and the lowest lows. Yeah, last week they were taken down by a Newcastle team that was sitting down near the bottom of the ladder and they were well and truly spanked in that game. Well and truly spanked. It was, um, I don't know if you could call it a contest. It was, they were just comprehensively outplayed. Mm -hmm. And we were expecting that, yes, there were a number of players that were out of position. We had forwards who were playing out in the back line. But it was just, they just were never really competing in the match. It was it was flat, wasn't it? Like it was, um, there there wasn't really any intensity and in performance. There wasn't the the sort of impact in the carries that we saw in their game against the Bears, and it was pretty much a a similar team. And yeah, it, it's it's hard to it's hard to put it into words exactly what's going on with the team, uh, but I guess that's, to an extent, that's the nature of lower-grade football, isn't it? Yes. Is that you get inconsistency of performance, and the, the players that are able to be more consistent in their plays, they're the ones that you see pushing for first-grade selection. And uh, and also, I guess, you, you can't under, underestimate the loss of Jake Arthur 
steering the team around the, the paddock. And I think you saw last week, especially, uh, how his, his uh, departure has been felt. Agreed, mate. And speaking of the absence in the halves, I have legitimately no idea what we're going to do at number six if Dejan Arce is being caught up at TNRL to, rep- uh, to replace Dylan. Uh, you know, Ethan Sanders, broken hand. He's, he's not far off, but he's, he's not going to be playing New South Wales Cup this week, surely. Uh, Josh Lynn, he was an absentee from the Jersey flag team. I don't know if injury or suspension are in action there. Um, who are we going to play at 5-8? Uh, no. I, on- uh, look, here I've got I, I've I've actually got zero idea what their what their plans would be there because as far as the name team is concerned, there isn't really anyone who no, who jumps out. Like the the, the stopgap solution I would have thought of might have been Jaden Yates, but he's not available. It looks like for selection again. We don't know if injury or suspension are in play here because we don't get those sort of reports. Uh, I, I'm, I legitimately have no idea. Um, the the eels are very very you know dry on depth half options right now, so it's yeah. a very spooky, very very spooky. Well, then, I mean, is it out of the realms of possibility that Josh Lynn is um, available mm, for? That might be why he's not picked in flag. I don't know because yeah. Uh, Mac Pofisi played flag in the game yesterday, so he's not an option um, to back up. And yeah, I really can't think of anyone like outside of like some you know really abstract option that they might have to put into there. There's no yeah. obvious, no obvious yeah. candidate. Yep, no, I, I've got no idea in that, and uh, I haven't been able to get to training this week. It's been a very busy week, mm-hmm. and. Um, I, I I couldn't offer a, a, an informed opinion. That's for sure. And um, yeah, and, and I guess the other thing too, if I had been to training and seen what they were doing, is always that element of uh, should I be? Yeah. You know, I can't really give away what this, I'm watching. This is so, actually an important replacement, exactly. So I, I guess what I would be saying if. Um, if there was, if I saw what the plans were, is it's maybe oh look, I'm comfortable with what they're doing. No, that yes, they've got a solution. You know, don't don't worry too much. There's a solution there. That yes, they have got someone in mind and all that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's really difficult. And uh, perhaps we'll get an updated team list in the next 24 hours mm, or so. So perhaps. Um, but as things stand, you you're looking at this and you're thinking. We had a uh, more players available earlier in the year when we played them. Um, do you have an ominous feeling about this particular match? Yeah, I mean, look, I know I was uh, pretty down on our preview podcast when we were walking into the game against the North Sydney Bears, uh, tipping us to probably lose handily because Jake had departed and uh, the team looked pretty ordinary. Um, and they obviously really surprised me. They had a great game, perhaps their great best game of the season. Uh, but... Coming into this game, I've got the same vibes, but maybe even worse. Like, we've got a really fractured spine. We've got a, a backline where, yeah, I've already spoken about another podcast, but it's not a good backline. You know, I don't, I don't want to put the boys down, but it's not a strong backline. No, we could, we've got too many players out of yeah. their natural position. That's and look, that's that's just the that's just the the plain truth of it. I mean, 
um, Zach Sini's been asked to play fullback where he's um, centre wing mm-hmm. uh, position. You've got Jerome Omasia, who's a back rower. You've got Isaac Lumi Lumi, who's playing centre, who's More better known as, as a winger. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Chris Tupu, with respect, has been playing in uh, Ron Massey Cup. And as and besides, um, Hayes has been out. Hayes is back yeah, in on the Yeah, this is his first game back he's after a couple out. of weeks. Yeah, he's been out for a number of weeks. Combinations, like m- more than anything else, it's just when you've got players that are they're now in different positions. So you've got the challenge where, say, Zach Sini at fullback, he's got to organise the defence in front of him. That hadn't been the re- his responsibility playing out at centre. Um, you, when you've got um, Hayes there, he's he's probably not too familiar with uh, with playing alongside his centre partner. You've got Isaac Lumi Lumi, as I said, who's you know instead of defending out on the wing, he's defending closer in at centre. Um, and uh, Chris Tupu is not a uh, is not because he's he's um, not a part of NRL full time squad. He's not getting as much training um, time with the team, so he's he's probably getting the the captain's run with the team. So, and again, not being there this week, I don't even know what times they were training through the week. But if they're training through the the uh, the middle of the day, which is more than likely in the early part of the week, then what chance do uh, part time footballers have of training with the team? So you, you look at that and you go, and, and I guess the same applies to uh, Nico Apelu. So he'd be, he's, he's um, coming off the bench on the, uh, in the, the 14 jersey. Or again, also, he's, he's a part-time footballer. Again, yeah. he'd be someone that's not getting that opportunity to, to train when they're doing their daytime sessions. So... They're up against it. They're up against it from uh, preparations all the way through to, um, you know, just not having players in their in their accustomed positions. So um, as much as it, uh, I hate doing this, I'd, I'd have to tip the Bulldogs to win comfortably in this one. Agreed. And I mean, yeah. I'll be cheering. I'll be cheering wildly for the Eels, and I'm hoping – that we get one of those weeks where they produce their better performances. I mean, to be honest, it would it it would be the level of um, upset that we had when they defeated the Bears. So uh, I guess if we lost last week, we got to be due for a bounce back this week because, <laughs> as I said, the sign oscillation, the oscillating yeah. Yeah. performance thing. So. Uh, and and I guess what we have to say as well is when and I spoke about that inconsistency of performance and that's that's generally what separates you know, players who are regular NRL players with players who are playing at New South Wales Cup level is that they get that consistency of performance uh, right more often than not when once they hit NRL level, but they have produced at various times this season. They've produced uh, very good performances. So we have to think, well, 
it's not outside the realm's possibility that they can get a result here. But on the balance of probability, we'd say that a team that's sitting right at the top of the table is probably a fair chance of defeating the team that just yeah, lost to, agreed. to a team that was at the bottom of the table. You know, that's the that's the main form line we can go on. And obviously this game is taking place out at a core stadium, 1.40 p.m. If you can't get out, it is available on Foxtel. Um, I believe it'll be on KO2, even though it's not listed. Uh, but yeah, we got coverage on pay TV there. And that brings us to the main event, 60s. 4 o'clock p.m. on the uh, King's birthday, a long weekend, a core stadium, Canterbury Bulldogs hosting the Parramatta Eels. And I was just looking at the, the background on this one because the Eels, when they met in round seven, really, like 30-4, to four, and they, they weren't anywhere near their top gear, the Parramatta Eels. They just uh, worked their way past the Bulldogs without going too, you know, too high octane. Uh, but looking on our recent history, and geez, the Eels have had good runs. I think it's six of the last seven, eight of the last ten, twelve of the last fifteen. So they're, it's fair to say it's been pretty one-sided. Uh, Canterbury obviously haven't been doing too flash in that uh, that period, going through multiple coaches and being on a, a lengthy rebuild, a la what Parramatta went through, going back to what Brad Arthur had to do back when he took over, obviously in 2014. But let's get to the team list quickly. 60s. We'll start with our opponents, the Canterbury Bulldogs. Uh, with Hayes Perham, the former Eel Lockyer custodial role at fullback there. Jacob Kiraz isn't in for them on the wing. Obviously, a big inclusion there. Uh, in the centres, Jake Avril and Paul Alamotti. Be good to see Alamotti going up against Will Penasini again, and Avril has got that plenty of speed to have to look out for. Josh Adekar is on the other flank as he preps for Origin 2. In the halves, young Carlo Wapu will be 5'8". Matt Burton captains the team at halfback. Front row, Max King, Reed Marnie, Tevita Pangai Jr., and obviously we've already spoken about Reed Money being included in this roster, 60s and the concussion protocols and everything about that. Jaden Ockenball and Jacob Preston, their breakout player of the year on the edges. Harrison Edwards locks the scrum on the interchange. Young Khaled Rajab, uh, who was the other half I was speaking about in the New South Wales Cup game that we played back in round seven. He's going to be on the interchange. I'm not really sure what he offers. Is he playing? Because I think he played last week. Did he play out of dummy half? I'm not really sure, but... Um, He's joined on the roster, uh, or the rotation roster, by Curtis Moran, Chris Patolo, and Corey Waddell. It's not a pretty bench on paper, but I'm sure they'll get the job done for the dogs. Extended roster, Carl Flanagan, Jackson Toppenay, Braden Burns, Blake Wilson, and Franklin Pele. Uh, any quick comments on the dogs roster before I go through the Eels 60s? They've got us for pace in the backs. Um, got us seriously for pace. Yeah, and you, got, you know there's going to be some sort of trick shot early kick at some point in this game. So yeah, uh, back yeah. three, Sevo, uh, Russell and Gufferson have to be awake to that. Yeah. Um, and that's that's really... I, I have... This is where I have my concerns is that we know the amount of defensive cover that Dylan Brown provides. He just, he just shuts down... Um, breaks when they're even before they happen and it, it just oftentimes is, it, at the very last moment too as we saw against the cowboys with one of the cover tackles of the season yeah but it, it's it's even you know i've watched the i've watched it carefully it's it's his defensive positioning almost gets teams to change their mind or or, or to change the runs as they're happening as they're as they're get, getting into attacking shapes um, it just can't be underestimated 
the value that he provides to our defence out wide, mm-hmm. and uh, um, you know, I've been I've been less concerned about teams getting around us this year. We're operating a, a, a really good slide defence in that regard. Um, we've probably leaked more through the middle than we have out, you know, out on the wings or, or centres. So, um, and and look to an extent, Mitch Moses is is quite good with the and not dissimilar sort of cover to Dylan Brown. He's not in the he's probably not in the elite defensive class that Dylan Brown is, but he's he's pretty damn good. Mitch Moses, he doesn't get enough credit for that. But yeah, that pace of the Bulldogs concerns me. Um, I'm looking at the at the Bulldogs pack, you know, workmanlike is probably how yeah. I I describe their pack. So, um, and of course, we've spoken at length about um, them getting clearance for Reed Marnie to play. My last comment on that again is um, let's just forget about that that 11-day protocol exists, obviously. Let's just say um, that the new procedure is, um, yes, you stand down with those 11 days, but you know what? If you want to, let's go through an independent doctor and get um, get an assessment, and you can play, like regardless of the eleven days. It's like, yeah, no, no, he's got no symptoms now. Forget the fact that it actually happened, because it happened. The concussion happened. So how is it that okay, no, everything looks good now. Yeah, he should be right to play. Yeah. <laughs> Again. You know, like yes, indeed. What 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 happens? That, like, is there no line? Is, is, are there no lines here? Is it all grey area? Because to me, when they announced the eleven day stand down, I thought, um, as mandatory after a, a category one concussion, I thought, well, that's it. That's just the that's the line. There is no there is no grey area around that. It's eleven days. I mean, I guarantee you this. I guarantee you this. If anyone gets concussion in the preliminary finals leading into a grand final, there is no way that they won't be challenging the concussion ruling. And as we record this game, it is Saturday morning. Sorry, record this podcast. Uh, It is Saturday morning. And last night, the Warriors played a beautiful game against Canberra to upset Jared Croker's 300th. And I, I know that Sean Johnson came back and took a crazy intercept off a kickoff and you know, that, that may vindicate some people's opinions, but he was out cold. He was out cold last night. He got It was not, wasn't friendly fire. It was just an incidental contact uh, from Hudson Young. There actually wasn't anything malicious in it, but he got hit really hard head-to-head and was completely out of it, and he passed his concussion test. Like, like again, what are we doing here? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's... Look, it's confusing. Look, I'm confused as to why they would have put him on with only a couple of minutes yeah. left in the game. Exactly. Like, really, why? Like, <laughs> I mean, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be having that comment that you've made just then if they just left him on the bench mm-hmm. because the game was won. It was well and truly wrapped up. But was he that had no need to come back on? Was again passing the concussion test on the day sort of like uh, set up so he can play next week. The, the, the Warriors, oh. the Warriors play next week. Uh, they do no, they're the bye, so it makes no sense why they'll do that. No, no, that's right. He could have failed. Yeah, the concussion test, and it made no difference whatsoever, except for you know maybe it would 
uh, put down that he had a history of concussion when they were looking at any anything in the future. But as I said to you, can you can you imagine like you could almost foresee that anyone who would have been ruled out before of a, at, at a grand final, a, a future grand finals, they'll be able to play because they'll get they'll get through. Um, and more likely than not, they'll get through the um, any independent mm-hmm. assessment. Yep. Yes, indeed. All right. Enough about concussions. Enough about Bulldogs. Let's talk Parramatta Real Sixties. Uh, a couple of changes to this team, as we mentioned, players coming in, players unavailable. Can Ooh. I just say, and I just want to say this. I'm sorry, John, for harping on about it, but the whole idea of the rule was to protect players. Yeah, short and long term. Yes. Yes, yeah, short and long term. So I, I just don't get it. I just don't get it because here we here we have now the first time, because this is it. This is the challenge. He's, um, I think, Tom Trebojevic was reclassified. He wasn't a, a category one concussion. Is that am I right with that? That he wasn't a category one. Initially, it was diagnosed category one in origin, and uh, Manly reassessed it to be category two. Yeah, so I don't think there was any reassessment with Reed Money. They're just saying, no, he's he's right. He's suffering no ill effects from the concussion. So, yeah, I just I just don't understand why why you would risk the short term. Oh, yeah. As I said, the rule's supposed to be there for the health of the players. Throw that out the window. It's a result-driven business. So. Yeah, just throw it right out the window. Anyway, let's talk Parramatta 60s. Uh, some players unavailable this week. Wiramu Greg with the list Frank Fracture. He's out long-term. Joe Opengahi, calf strain, 10 minutes into his club debut against the Cowboys. Dylan Brown. Hang no on, f- what number jersey were these blokes wearing? Is it a matter of the number? Maybe. They've got it in their back. Maybe. There is something going on right now. We are snake-bitten in the forwards. Uh, Dill Bags, obviously, that's something of his potential of his own doing there. He's been stood down by the NRL. We're waiting to see how that plays out in the coming weeks. Uh, but for the Eels, there are reinforcements this week, a big one in particular with Reagan campbell Gillard back. Junior Barlow, obviously, coming back from State of Origin duty, so the front row looks real schmick this week. But let's start at fullback, as always, with Captain Quinton Gufferson. Uh, the back line actually unchanged this week, which is really nice. So they paid their dues last year, didn't they, 60s? So they, they don't get the injuries this year. Uh, Mike Acevo, Bowie, uh, sorry, Sean Russell on the flanks. Will Penasini at uh, right centre, Bowie Simpson on the left. In the halves, well, Dylan is still named, but we do believe it's going to be Dejan Arce stepping into that role. At least that's what the media is pointing us towards, where he'll partner Mitchell Moses, Dejan the Mustard working with uh, Bowie Simonson, Mike Acevo, and we believe uh, Andrew Davey on the left edge. Speaking of the forwards, though, uh, Reagan Campbell-Gillard, Junior Barlow. Already gave him a shout-out. They're starting alongside Josh Hodgson in the front row. Bryce Cartwright continues to have a spectacular season, honestly. Uh, he's going to be on the right, if I'm not mistaken, for Andrew Davey returning from his own concussion layoff, that mandatory 11-day window, uh, where he'll be on the left. Jermaine Hopgood, who's pushing for origin on his 60s. Um, he's going to be starting at lock forward. On the interchange, Offer Hickey Ogden, Brendan Hands, Matt Dury, and Makahesi Makatoa. Uh, honestly, the way they're all playing that, that sort of quartet, a pretty good interchange, 60s. Uh, extended yeah. roster. Dejan Arcee's 18th man. We expect him to come into the team. Jack Murchie, Kai Rodwell, Hayes Dunster, and Luca Moretti. Match officials, Liam Kennedy, 
You got uh, Ziggy running one of the side uh, sidelines. Matt Noyan on the other. Ben Cummings in the box. Oh. Uh, do do I recall correctly? Matt Noyan being the um, official in the video refereeing role for that try in the NRLW um, against the, it might have been the Knights against the Eels. Oh, last year. Where it was, yes, where it was like nobody believed that the ball was grounded. We're always saying you got Alzheimer's or old-timers, mate, but that's good memory there because he was indeed the senior or box review official there for that game. Yeah, it's... Um, yeah, there's a little bit of concern there. Um, I, I hope he sees things better from the sideline. Um, Liam Kennedy, less than impressive recently when he was officiating um, uh, our match. I'm trying to think which one it was, but we I think he basically put the whistle away uh, during the game. Was it against the Cowboys? Was it the match against the Maybe Cowboys? Maybe it was. Maybe it was the Cowboys. I'll, I'll quickly pull it up now. Eels versus Cowboys, uh, team lists, and it was yeah. Liam Kennedy was the man with the official, well, main, main official. Sorry, yeah. He he basically put the the whistle away, and the Cowboys were just slowing down the ruck horrendously. Well, I'll, I'll say this: I suppose given that we copped absolutely ludicrous penalty counts against the Titans uh, and the week after against Canberra. I suppose just not the whistle not being blown is probably better for us in a sort of neutral circumstance than uh, getting killed with the, the P. So it's a uh, yeah. Not... I think I think from memory, like the penalty count was something like four two to yeah. the to the Cowboys in that game. Was that right? Was it four two to the Cowboys? It the was penalties conceded. Uh, yeah, uh, it was conceded four to the Cowboys too. Correct. Yeah. So we look at that. and We go. Okay, we weren't penalised too much. In the overall season count with the penalties conceded, four is just under the average number of penalties that we concede in a game. So you'd go, okay, that, that'll keep that down. But the thing that I always complain about is we don't receive the penalties. We just don't. You know, even when it's a low penalty count, my belief, my stance is that when we are as disciplined as, as the Eels are, like we jump off the tackle in the rucks, we concede the fastest play the ball to other teams. There is We've talked about this ad infinitum, mate, where we are well and truly um, slower than every other team that we play against. So it's, mm-hmm. it varies between half a second and a second where our play the ball is slower than the opposition in literally every match. There might be one or two games at the most in a season where our play the ball speed is faster, but I'd be I'd be struggling to think of too many times where that happens. So we go out of our way. The Eels go out of their way to ensure that they do not concede repeat sets. They don't concede cheap penalties where they don't concede six agains, that they try to have that, as clean as possible and and to our detriment sometimes because um, it, it means that we're jumping off players reasonably quickly in the tackle when a break is made. So our defence isn't set. Um, but that's, that's how strident we are in that endeavour. And the thing is, 
what ends up happening, and this is the this is the point I'm trying to make, and I'm sorry for talking in circles, but <laughs> but the point I was trying to make is that the referees then judge that this is a pretty clean game that's going on because you've got one team because there's one team there that just isn't giving away the six agains or the penalties. They put the whistle, the whistle away. And whereas we should be receiving plenty of penalties because the other team's slowing it up, they've got that feel that things are flowing pretty quickly because they are when the Eels are uh, defending. It's flowing really freely mm-hmm. for the opposition. They just think it's a nice, clean game. It's not. Fellas, it's not. <laughs> the opposition's holding the Eels down. It happens every damn week. Every week. I'm over it. Sorry, rant done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel that one from the, the very core of my being, 60s. It certainly uh, can be very, very frustrating watching games for the Eels in that regard. And my apologies for spending that much time as w- when we got to the officials and they haven't done anything wrong in this game yet. <laughs> I should be I should be taking the positive stance that there's nothing to worry about here. I shouldn't even be thinking about the referees before the game. So my apologies <laughs> to any listeners who are thinking, "Oh, he's sixties. He's setting up an excuse for match officials being a, being the you know the cause for any problems that we have." So uh, yeah, again, apologies for taking the time out from a preview to be concerned. Uh, so <clears throat> on that preview aspect of the podcast, Eels obviously they're, they're copying some hits left, right, and centre now, but they're also getting players back. Next week they get more players back provisionally. We're looking at Ryan Madison and Joe Opengahi rejoining the team, both from a calf injury. Funny how that works out there. Uh, with Sean Lane not too far off there, given that we've got the Dolphins, then the bye. So what do we do in this game? With uh, the players available, it's a, a reasonable forward pack still. It's a good back line. Obviously, we're going to have big question marks at 5-8. Uh, but the Eels have matched up very well against the Bulldogs. We know they're going to pull a trick play or two. We know they're going to go to a Matt Burton bomb at some point. Uh, where is this game won and lost on the Monday public holiday, 60s? Uh, we play Parramatta football, which is basically, as as BA has said, we, we have players that chase the collision, that carry the just carry the ball hard when, when the, it's time for yardage, um, build up that platform through the middle, like win the middle, because the... The Bulldogs match up very well out wide, but we've got a distinct advantage through the centre of the field. So let's win that. Let's get the the Bulldogs back pedalling. They don't respond well to being put under pressure, the Dogs, and that's really because they don't have that strength through the middle as yet. Now, they will rely on Matt Burton's big kicks when they've been behind they basically it's they go to the lottery option don't they they throw the ball to Burton ego mate stick up one of your wobblies Mm -hmm. and we know as well that a lot of those wobblies are going to be down the middle of the field because you can't control kicks like that if you're targeting out wide if they happen to float towards the wing that's simply because they've been carried that way by the by, any of the wind uh, direction that's there on the day, or 
and combined with the way that the ball is spiralling through the air and it, it's then subjected to any wind currents that are that are there. But he's not going to aim for the wing because there's too much chance that it will go over the sideline on the full. So Clint Gutherson's going to get plenty coming his way. They need to make sure that the communication between him and his wingers is at the best because of the fact that, you know, you might get some of them that, that sort of land be in the middle between fullback and wingers positioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Clint needs to be taking the lead with catching those awkward um, bombs. Sean had some problems, didn't he, when he first came back this season? Very uncharacteristic and it lingered across a couple of games. Uh, he looks to be in a better headspace under the high ball now, but like you said, Guffo is by far the best. I mean, not by far because Mike is pretty good under the high ball, but Guffo is just so safe. So you'd be looking, yeah. you'll be looking for him to really be trying to eat up all all those high balls, uh, those particular you know top bombs, and yeah, yeah. and really um you know set, and also because it helps set up the other two for rucking out the ball on tackles two and three. Like it's just yeah. like part of a bigger picture as much as anything else. Yeah, now it's not like Dejan hasn't played first grade. So what we want from him is just, you know, keep it simple. Just if if a kick needs to be put in, yeah, get that, you know, like as as a foil to Mitch Moses. We trust that he can deliver the basics there. It doesn't have to be whiz-bang. It doesn't have to be Mitch Moses-type kicking. Uh, the, much the same way as Dylan Brown isn't, the huge foil for Mitch Moses. He's the occasional foil. So what we need, as I said, we don't want, I don't want Dejan overplaying his hand. I don't want him thinking too much about what he has to do. I just want him to go out there and get the basics done. Um, Communicate with the people around him Mm -hmm. because that, that communication is so important when it comes to combinations and, I think we've seen that the Eels have been relatively consistent in their form this year because they, they've, I think their communication out on the field has been pretty good. And I think the combinations have been a little bit better settled. Um, and although we've had those the changes that are there in the front row, uh, I think we've been starting to get some consistency with the back line and who's been available each week. As you said, we're doing the we're paying the penance in the forwards this year. <laughs> yeah. that was the backs last year, so mate, oh, yeah, I just want them to be to get the Parramatta football right this week. Yep. As I said, be strong in the collision, win the right to start using the ball. Don't overplay the offloads but also don't put them away too much. Yeah. You know, like when we've got players there who who have the skills that if it's on, it's on. And um, uh, last time from memory, I think uh, Cardi and Moses were really strong on the edge. Yep. Um, because I think the, the Bulldogs might have had an injury out wide. Uh, yes. In the early uh, part of the game. Jacob Kiraz, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And we really took advantage of that there. But the thing is that, um, and I think Addo Carr was out. As yes, because well. he'd, done, he'd done his ankle the week before, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So, the if anything, we might have had a bit of a pace advantage 
<laughs> in that in that in that match. That doesn't exist this time. No. So, um, oh, and of course the other thing too is, um, do what we did with Reed in the first first. Well, uh, I, I I do expect him to play a better game because he was close to our best on field in that particular contest. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know the Eels know his game inside out. Um, I expect him to have a better game, but I, I think that the Eels can handle um, what he has there, and, he, and they're just going to put him up. They're just going to keep him under pressure. Yeah, and the, big, the big thing for me is obviously Reg Junior back. The two, you know, by far our best bookends. I know Williams had a fantastic season, but the, he wasn't unseating either of them as number one or number two on the pecking order, uh, or really one A, one B to be more respectful to both of them, uh, but. Offer Higgy Ogden and Makassi Makatoa, they've earned some timeshare now. Like they've put their hands up and they're putting the performances that should see them feature in rotation properly. I'm very interested to see how BA manages that front row rotation now. Um, he, he should have a lot, a lot less reservations as opposed to earlier in the season to get these guys out there uh, in you know more you know high leverage situations. So, well, I think he has to be uh, cognizant of the fact that Regan's coming back from a long time out, he's not going to have the match fitness there. It's not to say that he hasn't been doing plenty of running at training because the training that I've seen, he's been like, he's been running and running and running while the, while the first grade team has, has been going through their paces out in the training paddock. He's just been running like, you know, he's obviously he's been strengthening the groin, but He's been getting the kilometres in his legs so that he doesn't lose too much condition because big blokes like Junior and Reg, they can't afford time out where they're not active. And uh, they, well, you know, I mean, it's it stands to reason. And uh, Reg always, you know, the start of the preseason, it's always a tough time for, for Reg. But he comes to hand really quickly. So I don't think this is going to be something that's going to, carry on for a number of weeks but I think BA will be conscious of that and as you said the other blokes have earned the right to have more game time and that's exactly what we need when Reg is in his first week back yep 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 and uh, on that note yeah, obviously the Eels you talk about playing Barabana football you want to be dominating through the forwards do any forwards feature in your prediction, 60s? Uh, if we go to scorer, first try scorer, and best on field this week. Okay. Score, I think the, it's going to be something in the vicinity of 30 to 24 to the Eels. I think it's going to be high scoring. I expect that the Bulldogs will pick up a few tries out wide. Um, as far as uh, first try scorer, I'm going to go with... Mitch Moses mm-hmm. as first try scorer, and I'm and although I'm expecting a big performance from the forwards, um, no, do you know what? I'm going to change my mind. I was going to go <laughs> for the double for Mitch Moses to be best on field. I'm gonna. I was just thinking, you know, how much we need from the forwards this week. I think Jermaine Hopgood, mate, best yeah, on field. I, I can see that. Um, I'm going to go for the Eels to continue their really good, strong, a really good and strong run of form, uh, with a victory in the vicinity of 26 or 28 to 10 or 12. Uh, I think the Bulldogs will jag a few tries there, or a couple of tries, uh, probably off kicks and maybe like a trick play if we if we can't, uh, you know, 
Snyfall or Stifled out. Uh, I will go... I mean, he came good for me earlier the year when I gave him the shout-out. I'll go for Reg for first try scorer. Um, and he'll be very vocal about it if he goes over a certain dummy half, I think. Uh, and uh, for best on field, well, you mentioned him. And I think given the context of the game, uh, so much will rest on the performance of Mitchell Moses. And therefore, he is just the obvious guy. If, if he has the sort of game we need him to have, then he's going to be best on field. And probably, unfortunately for us, but obviously a deserved reward for him, pick up a Sky Blue jersey. So that's, yeah. that's a problem yeah. we're going to have to talk about next week because goodness, goodness, that is a big problem. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that's where we're at. Uh, we're both on Parramatta to win, obviously, uh, even with all the handicaps and injuries. And yeah, 4 o'clock p.m. on King's long weekend birthday. Going to be uh, good to see the Eels take the... It's a, been a long break, 60s. A long, long break from Friday uh, way back against the Cowboys to Monday. And then uh, we back up on a Saturday to Manly. So, yeah. Been interesting. And, uh, and, and we can't let this match go without that another shout-out for Brad Arthur. Oh, yes. With, with uh, setting the new record for most games uh, in charge of the Parramatta Reels. He moves to 244 moves. He was, he's currently sitting with Brian Smith at 243. And again, um, a shout out to Murph, Steve Murphy, his assistant coach, who's been with him for now. This will be 238 of those games. He wasn't there when BA was the caretaker coach back in 2012. But Murph's been there from day one of the preseason in 2014. He's been BA's right-hand man. And also another shout-out as well to Salt, Craig Sultana. He's been with the with BA. Um, he's the football manager. He's been there since 2016. So this is his eighth year at the club. And um, I think that consistency of the staff that have been there around the, around the football club is a big part of what makes that the football um, operation there uh, like family. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, well done, everyone involved with uh, these records. And, um, yeah, looking forward to the team bringing home a win for uh, Brad this week. Well said, mate. Well said. And on that note, we'll sign off. Thank you for stopping by and giving us a listen. Uh, looking forward to the Eels. Hopefully jagging two wins or bagging two wins. It might be a case of jagging in the New South Wales Cup 60s, but hopefully bagging in the NRL uh, on the Monday public holiday. Go you, Eels.